Patty, by the way. We are live. <laughs> Welcome to Shooting the Shit. It's That's a great I was just explaining, yes, I've, just, I've literally just run in from doing the horses. And although it's raining, it is boiling. So I'm very sweaty. So there we go. <laughs> nice image. Uh, yeah, welcome to another Shooting the Shit. Uh, we are here today to talk about breastfeeding in the workplace. So something some people have done, something some people have never done. Um, and obviously people come at this from all sorts of different angles and uh, we were just saying before we came live it can be a really really emotive subject breastfeeding in itself can be a really emotive subject and and can lead to some really surprising feelings that people perhaps don't even expect themselves to feel so um we just want to say at the outset that we are making no judgments whatsoever on anybody so if you choose to breastfeed that's great if you choose not to that's also great do you do what's you but we are here today to talk about how we can make breastfeeding more uh, open for women, more of an option for women if they do want to go back to work and continue doing it. So first things first, introductions. Samara, what's your name and where'd you come from? Um, yeah, so I'm Samara and I'm in lovely Haslinden, which is again, absolutely chucking it down today, but boiling hot. <laughs> yeah, it's so hot, isn't it? It's ridiculous, yeah. so sticky. Um, and Rish, what's your name and where'd you come from? I'm Marisha. I'm in Costadale, South Yorkshire. It is yeah. equally unpleasant, uh, <laughs> but I've not been outside, so I, I can't really comment on uh, on on how sweaty it is. <laughs> okay, you're not sweating in your bed though. No, I've been trying to get out all day, uh, but you know the calls come in, so uh, you know best laid plans and all that. So here we are. <laughs> oh, I sat down this morning with uh, so many things on my to do list to get through, and I've got through none of them. Not so. single one you've done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> one of those days, one of those Mondays. Uh, my name's Rachel. Uh, I'm in Bake Up from Go Traffic. Hannah will also be joining us, hopefully shortly. She's just doing something with school, so some sort of job that she had to finish off. Um, so first thing I want to talk about then, as I, as I said before, you know, this, this can be a, a really emotive subject for people. It, it really comes down to sort of personal choice. So I just want to sort of say, you know, um, Samara, you've been, uh, well, I keep calling you a breastfeeding advocate, but apparently you're a breastfeeder, peer-to-peer -peer support, aren't you? So just give me a little bit of information about that job role and kind of how you've experienced it over the few years you've been doing it. Yes, so um, I didn't know very much about breastfeeding when I um, had my second daughter, except for the fact that I, I, I'd not managed to do it with my first very well. Um, and really, really struggled. So it was... Um, I'm a really stubborn person, so I decided when I had my second daughter that um, I wasn't going to pay any money for any formula and I was going to do my best to breastfeed. And we were really lucky that it worked for us. And I really understand and appreciate that it doesn't work for everybody and it's not it's, it's not everyone's choice. Um, but it just worked for us so well. And I decided to go on some training to be like a peer supporter um, and what that is, and, and the way that I look at that, is that it's certainly not telling people what to do. It's around giving people in, um, information so they can make informed choices. Um, but I'm really particularly, particularly keen on um, not shaming, not putting guilt on people, and just really helping people come to their own decisions for what's best for them, the, the baby and the family. Mm. It, it, I mean, it is interesting, like you say, you know, I, I, I had Leon, he's, he's nearly 13. So, it, you know, it was quite a long time ago, but I, I didn't breastfeed. But when I when I went back to work, 
But I actually weaned him because I was going back to work because I didn't think I, I didn't think it would be practical or even never even occurred to me that there would be options to carry that on. So he was six months old when I went back to work. So I, I had well, a combination fed. So I had managed to do it up until that point. But I potentially would have carried on a bit longer had I not been returning to work and it's funny like you say it's sometimes it's just about not knowing what your options are at all is it we don't as women do we know what our options are no that that's it i mean i i breastfed um india that's something on my, on my computer going off um i breastfed her until she was ni- 19 months old and I'm, oh. I'm, I'm laughing because um she's nearly five now and i think if she thought that she, she doesn't really understand what that is except for when she's doing it with the dolls and to think that i was doing it for that long surprises me yeah um but i was really keen to make it work at work um but i was really nervous more so about how it would work with going to nursery not the work side of things i didn't know how that balance would work and it was only when i started working away that that we weaned um and she came off completely because i'd be away for for a night or two um and then it just stopped so how how did you manage it when you were at work then? How how did what did what we, what did you do? So um, I was really lucky in some respects with the sort of place that I worked at. I worked at a national charity, and they they had, they had um, policies in place to make sure that that it happened. But it, I really recognised that not everybody has that, yeah. um, and I was the manager as well of the service that I was at. So it was easy for me to set those those boundaries and put those things in place to make it happen whereas again that people don't always have those options um i was working in a building that had lots of rooms so i could find a room to go and um i i chose to express i chose to pump and um either bag it up and take it home or just get rid of it mm-hmm. um but that I know again, that's not that's not always the case. People don't always have that luxury. I've heard so many stories of people just being um, shown into a basically like a cupboard or told to go into the toilets and things like that. Mm. So you know, I know I was really lucky, but I know that that's not what happens for everybody. My one tip would be if you wanted to do it is to is to let, is to look at your work's policies if you work in a big organisation beforehand. Yeah. Um, so you can go in prepared to have those conversations. Yeah, absolutely. And and just Reesh, what's your breastfeeding story? Just in case people wonder why I'm uh, not asking you what you did when you went back to work. <laughs> I, I don't have any children, so therefore, you know, uh, and I haven't haven't been through a breastfeeding journey in any way. Uh, but I am. I'm interested because as a potential employer, you know, it's something to consider. Um, you know, moving into, um, you know, I, I dabble in all sorts of businesses, as, as I think most people know, uh, one of which, you know, touches on the HR space now. And so, you know, there's lots of things that are changing, lots of expectations in the workplace these days, um, you know, and, and, and but I also, you know, I, I, my, my, that whole shame, that whole kind of, you know, that whole conversation around breastfeeding, whilst it doesn't affect me personally, I'm, I'm, you know, massively empathetic towards it because even, 
you know, just the, the, the wording and the terminology around it is so emotive, you know, mm-hmm. like from day one, you know, even I'm like, fuck, like, how do you, how do you deal with that? If it's a, if it's a problem, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm going off on, on a tangent a little bit, but you know, there's, there's lots of wording around it that immediately makes me think, yeah, but what if you can't, or what if it's a problem or how mm-hmm. do you get around that? Because immediately you feel as though you've done something wrong. Um, yeah. And also have to justify that to people as well. Do you know what I mean? So, yes, it obviously then, you know, carries through into the workplace um, as such, too. Um, absolutely. Uh, are you absolutely right? Because, again, it, it comes back to that thing of, you know, if you are feeling anxious about it and like you've got to justify it. And I mean, even like the the, the medical, the official guidance on it has changed so much, even just in you know my lifetime. When I was born, you know, bottle was still best. And then all of a sudden breast is best and, and you're not allowed to come. And then it's, you know, three months and then it's six months. And so, you know, women are excused, I think, for feeling confused about it. So you're already feeling uncertain. Then whichever option you choose seems to be wrong and somebody's got an opinion about it and is shaming you. And then you've got to go and stand up in front of your employer and justify, you know, make your case and justify what you want to do and that must just add all of those layers of of stress and worry mustn't it have you ever been in a workplace Rish, where people have breastfed or where they've allowed it or anything like that no no I've been um I've been in uh typically male dominated environments full stop um mm. or people that have not had children I and mean, it's, it's never been a, a thing quite frankly mm. um but like I say it, it actually came up in a conversation um last week um about processes procedures um you know and, and having documentation in place and, and policies and, mm. and breastfeeding you know being one of them um yeah. that is you know and, and it's it started off in a conversation about um how the expectation from gen z and what they're expecting in the workplace that's kind of how it came about um but you know tapped into that too and you know having to have a place to be able to go and breastfeed because then on the flip side, as an employer, if you don't have that, what do you do? Do you mm. know what I mean? If I'm, I'm in a building or I have an office that's an open plan and that's it, you know, and, and I don't have any any other kind of ways to kind of manage that, then what, what do I do as an employer to be able and, to support you know, that? Really, really practically speaking, that's what a lot of offices are now. I was, I was yeah. at an office in Manchester yeah. just last week and it was a really, really lovely modern building in, you know, it's a hot centre of Manchester, really trendy, but mm-hmm. it was a massive open plan office and even the individual offices were all glass. So there yeah. was abs- the only place that was private was the toilet. And there was nowhere to hide. And so absolutely, you think, you know, if you are an employer and you haven't thought about this and put it in place in advance, what are you going to do when somebody comes to you and they've already got a baby and they're about to come back to work and you've suddenly got to find a solution? There are other benefits to, to employers, though, that do this. So not only the kind of forward planning is, is you know, advisory for businesses that do it, but, you know, it also help, helps you retain staff. So if you've got women, you know, good good women that are working for you, you've trained them up, they're invested in your company, they know it, you know, obviously you want them to come back to work after they've had a baby. So just by offering it, you're going to retain your staff a lot better. And also, if it's part of a sort of benefits package, one for better word, I mean, it should be a basic provision, but, you know, they, they call it part of a benefits package. It helps you attract newer, um, you know, as you said, Gen Z employers, 
help gets people in um, and it can also you know it can it can help with with staff morale generally again it's that you know you are seen as a, a nice employer you're caring for your staff you're providing all those things that really should come as standard so if you are a business it's a really good you know option to think about this what are the different options that are for women then, do we think? Samara, where if you are, if you are, if you've got your baby, five months old, you're thinking of going back to work, let's just quickly go through the various different options that women could have and ways they could uh, go back to work. Yes. So I, I think legally, um, employers have to offer that option of the time to continue feeding. Um, and I think it was really interesting what you mentioned about um, Gen, P, Gen Z. Um, and how people want the culture at work to be different. You know, mm -hmm. people, work looks so much different now to what it did even just a couple of years ago. People will only go and work places that they feel is the right culture for them and, and they're making those decisions in advance. Then the main thing for me is um, when people do like the back to work days, and I can't remember what they call, they've got... <laughs> Yeah. Oh, they're called. Oh, we used to call them keeping touch days in the end. Days. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Is is to be really if 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 it's you and your child and your your thoughts is be really honest with your manager when you start having those kit days and say this is how it needs to look or how can we make this work when I come back and see what the options are. I mean, like you said, it might be that the toilet is the only place. Mm. Um, because of the way that the offices are set up. Um, but you need to decide whether that's going to work for you. But do you know what? Actually, I mean, I I, I remember when I was when I was breastfeeding, there were a couple of times where I'd gone away. I was away from 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 Leon for a set period, and I'd forgotten to take any kind of breast pump or anything. Well, the first time, I didn't even realise what was going to happen. I went away, and then after like a few hours, I was like, "Oh my god, how do I deal with this situation? <laughs> Nobody told me about this." Yeah. And I literally just ended up squeezing my boobs into a, a toilet sink. But you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I wouldn't have minded. I genuinely wouldn't have minded just sitting sitting on a toilet in a toilet cubicle and expressing or whatever even I don't think I would have minded feeding my baby as long as the toilet was clean yeah that that would have been fine so we're not saying that women are going to come in and demand you know plush changing rooms with lovely you know free toiletries it's not necessarily that it's about having that conversation and if if all you've got is the toilet then just say you know I'll just make sure it's clean and I'll make sure it's private and I'll mm -hmm. make sure you've got the space you need that's it. And what you know, what I think is really interesting. It's like it's like another challenge that women face where it looks like they're asking for something above and beyond. Mm. You know, people that there might be these issues in the workplace, like why is she getting something that I'm not getting that I'm not got because she's this person's allowed to go and spend time expressing or or having the child brought in so they can feed them and things like that. Mm. Um but they, we, they, they have to happen men don't have that you know they can't pull the face about it because they're not the ones breastfeeding yeah, um, but yeah they haven't just pushed a human out of their bodies have they so yeah, sure but if, <laughs> if we have this sort of sense that, that there are challenges or there are things that women are going to face in their work life that looks different to in a man's work life journey then I think our the way that we look at things could and should be very different Interestingly, you know, we've talked quite a lot about offices and things like that. A friend of mine is breastfeeding her daughter. She works in um, a beauty salon. Beauty salon, is that what they're called? Beauticians. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, you know, that again, that's a very different setup again because it's just, you know, beauty rooms and things like that. And she um, works in the same town that, that she lives in and, and her boyfriend used to bring baby in to breastfeed and then take take her away. But she could do that because that was she was in a very small 
company, mm-hmm. three of them, yeah. and they had that conversation. That's what they agreed they did. So, you know, I think it's about being dynamic and about really making it work for the place, the workplace that you're in and the situation you're in. And I do think that's a really, you know, it's a really good point that you must consider because we talk about sort of implementing breastfeeding policies in the workplace as though this is a one size fits all solution. And and the reason, you know, there there is some guidance on the NHS website and the government government website, which I will link to in the in the notes. But the reason that there isn't a sort of strict regulation about what should be provided and how much and how often is because workplaces are also fundamentally different. And some women are working shifts. So they might entirely be able to speak to their employer and shift their shift their shifts uh, around their breastfeeding needs. That might be feasible. Some women are now, especially since the pandemic, are working from home. You know, we're a work from home business. I know you you mostly are as well, we aren't you? So, you know, it, it's not as employers. We don't have that same level of um, you know responsibility to provide because our employees are in their own home and are free to you know, feed their babies whenever they want to feed their babies. So it, it's it's about, it's absolutely about allowing that flexibility. And the other thing to say is that the, there isn't one solution fits all for women either. You know, mm-hmm. some women would be happy to express, some women will want to bring the baby in. You know, the, it's about finding a bespoke solution, but working with your employer to find it, isn't it? I think that's it. You know, from my perspective, it's it's as it always is. It's about it's about the the culture and the environment in the workplace in the first place. Right. Because, you know, if you can have a conversation, you know, with whatever that looks like for you and looks like for the business. And, you know, like you say, you come to an agreement with how it works for for both of you, as opposed to something that's imposed. This is the Mm. way that it is. And you get 20 minutes to do what you need to do and you must be back at your desk you know that's just not going to happen right there's do you know what actually that that's a really good point as well because breastfeeding your baby you know some babies do it really quickly and some babies don't so you know i remember situations with leon where we seemed to be sat on my boob for like literally hours and you know again that this is why there's got to be that flexibility because some women will be able to just you know baby gets dropped off nip in the toilets have 20 minutes in the back of the desk whereas for some that's never going to work so you know it's it's so uncertain isn't it and there's some jobs that it just it just won't ever happen in will it you know i imagine I don't know why, but bus drivers came into my mind, first of all. But, you know, I, I thought of a vet. Imagine being like a farm vet. I was yeah. in a garage. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to nip in the stable. <laughs> and, and, and you know what? I, I have spoke to some mums as well who have found it to be a relief. Like like you said, it was almost like the point that people stopped doing it. It was that mm-hmm. the people knew that they were going to um, go back to work at six, nine, 12 months or whatever. And that was their goal goal or that was their time and 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 that fit nicely so it didn't become something that happened in the workplace and then it then their dynamic changed and their you know it became a different part of their life then so I think Mm -hmm. you know there's that there's that conversation to have as well I think well I think that that's a another good point to raise as well because it's not just it's your identity changes your identity as a as a woman as who you are doesn't it but you know when I 
when I'm at work, I am a different person to the person that I am at home. I know I work from home, but you know, when I'm just being a mum and when I'm running a meeting, those are essentially two different people. And and I don't want those to cross over. I, you know, I've taken Leon to meetings, of course I have many times, and I'm still perfectly capable of doing my job. But you know, it does change how people see you, particularly men. And I do wonder if you've been, maybe if you're in a particularly, you know, high powered job or very competitive work environment, if you are suddenly then seen as the woman who's, you know, covered in milk and swells, smells of babies and is off half the time, you know, breastfeeding, that is going to change how people look at you. And there's, there's no, there's no point sort of denying that, is there? For sure. And I, and I think that's another, you know, that's a before before you even get to that point, isn't it? Right. It's a consideration for what, what how you feel, where what you want to do with your 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 jobs, your career, your your everything. Right. It's it's a mm. you know, and it's a struggle because it's almost like saying that you have to come, come like, even before you get to that point, you have to, come, you know, put all your. I've got to do X by the time I'm 20, then I've got to do the next thing by the time I'm 30, you know, and I've got to make sure that, but I've got a child in that point and but that's got to, you know, almost like it's written for you and it's mapped out and we all know that that's not how life works, right? It just does what it wants mm. and everything happens, yeah, you know, when, as and when, you know, so I think it's, it's, you know, even to have to think about that, it's just, it, quite frankly, all of this is just an absolute head fuck, do you know what I mean, as a woman? Isn't it? Yeah. Oh my god! I don't even want to have to think about these things. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, but you're right. Men, you know, men just never have to think about this. And I don't want us to, you know, we're not bashing men in any way, but it's just true that that there are all these additional considerations around work. And then, you know, if we do stop breastfeeding, then we feel massively bloody guilty because we've stopped breastfeeding so that we can go back to work. There's just no winning, is there? Um, I just want us to come on to, though, quickly, like some of the, just that I was around a doom and gloom, um, some of the objections that women might face, um, either from the workplace or from, you know, from their employers or from, from colleagues in the workplace. So what, what are some of the objections that people are going to, that might, might come their way, do you think? It's not a test. I don't know. There's no wrong answer. Yeah, I, I, I struggle because my, yeah, I, I don't know. I think the main thing is, is people well, think that jealous someone's jealous. Something they're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You know, like, I mean, they do it over smoking, don't they? When someone's going for smoking breaks, they're like, Bosses will need to provide a fridge, clean fridge. So if, if women are expressing, they need to have a fridge where they can store the milk safely and securely till the end of the day. So, you know, if somebody's, if you've got, I don't know, you know, people going in and out of the work kitchen and they're saying, why is our works fridge all of a sudden filled with breast milk? Or why have we got a breast pump in the unisex toilets? Or, you know, some people genuinely don't think it is an appropriate activity to happen in the workplace, do they? No. I think, sorry, go on. <laughs> I was just going to say that I think it's, it, I, I, I just, part of me, like in this conversation now, is like, 
no wonder so many women set up their own businesses and just like go off and do what they need to do because this is just a fucking nightmare. Do you know what I mean, like mm. having to navigate all of this, you, you know, you've got enough going on with having the child in the first place, mm. you know, let alone all of this other stuff as well. And, you know, that, that's my, you know, I don't have any other kind of, you know, feeling on it other than, you know, I'm not surprised, quite mm. frankly, because, you know, it's, mm. it's yeah, difficult. When we touched on it before, didn't we, but about how everyone's got their own opinion on it and everyone's had a different experience. One of the other challenges might be if you're in an office with a lot of women who either don't think you should be breastfeeding or didn't have great yeah. breastfeeding journeys, you know, didn't have a great experience. And, and it can really raise all of those those thoughts and and it can cause it can cause tension. It can cause tension even just within a group of friends, let alone a group of colleagues yeah. who possibly don't have that level of care for each other because also you don't know everybody's journey i mean there might be women that you're working with who are are not able to conceive and are going through a really stressful time trying to conceive and then you're there with your baby and they might feel like you're rubbing your their their faces in it so yeah you know there's jealousy there's guilt there's resentment there there might be feelings even of you know well well, why you know i should be doing her job now because she's spending half her time in the lose and i'm much more i'm having to pick up the work that she's she's missing and and I should be getting paid for doing that so yeah and you know every single one of those emotions are are valid you can see where they will come from so it's absolutely um terrifying actually isn't it (laughs) completely terrifying (laughs) (laughs) hi Andy someone for a little puddle (laughs) oh that's all right she's she's have you started school now Indy Sorry. That's all right. Um, yeah, so I do think, you know, it's 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 an absolute minefield and you can understand why if you're an employer and you are trying to, you know, make sure you are enabling the woman who wants to come back to work and breastfeed, but you're also then going to have to deal with all of these other emotions from the rest of your staff. You can understand why, why employers might be reluctant to do it, besides the fact of, you know, rooms and fridges and equipment and space and time and all the rest of it. So, yeah, you're right, Rich. I can absolutely see why a lot of women leave. And, in fact, it is, it's is—it's been proven sort of statistically, hasn't it, that, that having children is the, a, a time when a lot of women leave the workplace some obviously don't work. Some will go part time, and some will will set up their own businesses. So it's a massive period of change for women. I think as well. You know, I think there's for especially for a smaller business that maybe hasn't considered a lot of this stuff because because you know they've they've got the people that they need you know to do the jobs that they need to because they're a small business, right? I think it's very different when you're in a in a corporate environment. Quite frankly, mm. um, you know, I would say that you know it's maybe one for for not having to feel like you have to deal with it on your own you know there are HR professionals that can help you in that space there are things that you can do to bring in external support that is not necessarily at a cost to the business you know to try and navigate some of this stuff you know because you know we're we're coming at this from a female perspective you know imagine the male bosses having to deal with this too right Mm. it's like they're just like mind blown you know so i just i think that's the only thing that i would would add into it that you know there's a lot of skills out there and a lot of people that can help in this place if it's not something that you're familiar with with doing Mm. so samara i know this i know your sort of role wasn't you were you were more peer to 
peer support, not not supporting the workplace and stuff. But if if an employer did want to speak to somebody or, or try and get some support, or a woman wanted to find support, where might they go to find that? And um, I can put a load of links of different places on here afterwards there's the breastfeeding breastfeeding network but even things like ACAS and things like that or or your own union if you are in an organization that that has union um representation I think I think the really important thing is is just to be just to have those conversations though and 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 the chances are if you're a bit worried about bringing it up so so is your employer they Mm -hmm. they will be worried about getting it right too and I would imagine that there'd be more bosses who want to get it right and who care and who want to do that work as opposed to ones that really can't be asked and you know aren't aren't bothered um I think the world of work is changing significantly isn't it and people know that they have to have that open culture but on the flip side there are some jobs and some professions and some offices that it's just not going to Mm. not that it won't work for it will just be significantly more difficult yeah Yeah. and I think the key there is 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 just having those open conversations isn't it so you know from from either side don't go in making demands and saying you know you are legally required to supply me with this or whatever you know, just going with an open mind and, and a, a sort of gentle approach, if you like, not apologetic, but, you know, gentle saying, I would like to breastfeed when I come back to work, or I would like to express when I come back to work, you know, wh- how are we going to make it work rather than just yeah. a, a list of demands? Yeah, I agree. I think that's that's key, right? How do we make it work? That's the thing, mm-hmm. as opposed to how do you fix it for me to make sure I can do what I need to do, that, that really aggressive kind of way, right? Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, because <laughs> Lovely, lovely plans today. We solved <laughs> problems in one pop There we go. All sorted, all sorted. And I think the key thing, you know, if we are sort of the, one of the reasons why we've been doing these podcasts quite often, we'll sort of say, you know, if you are an employer, here are five things that you can do, or here are the steps that you need to take, or whatever. And again, I just want to come back to the reason that this session hasn't been a these are the things that you need to put in place is very much because this is a bespoke position from the from the employer and from the woman you know everybody is going to need a a very very unique um solution to this to enable them to do it and and what will work for one woman absolutely will not work for somebody else so it's really got to be led by the workplace and the employer working together otherwise it's just not going to work so there we go there we go solve breastfeeding in the workplace samara final (laughs) point that you would like to make to, to to either women or to employers I think you I think you summed it up really well there. I think it's about having conversations as early as possible. Um, so there's no surprises on on either behalf, but also considering what support you've got at home as well. You know, you might need someone who can whiz your baby up to work um because you can't express. So it's just it's just about the support and having those conversations as soon as possible. Yeah, excellent. Rich, final thought. I, I don't have any today. I've 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 excelled myself, so that's it. <laughs> You have indeed. You have indeed. And and mine would just be that, you know, I think that the key thing we've, we've said about flexibility of approach, but one of the key things I think people need to bear in mind is that even once you've set a plan in place, you still then need to be flexible because that's going to change. You know, we're, we're breastfeeding three times a day one week. You might need to do it four times a day the next or you might quickly decide, actually, this isn't working for me. I'm going to wean the baby. So, yeah. you know, you need to be completely flexible throughout the whole thing and just keep talking, keep those lines of communication open. That's it. Brilliant. Thank you very much.
to both of you really appreciate that if you are watching this live or you're watching it on catch up please do leave a comment or ask a question because we will keep watching it and we will answer it um, and if you are listening to this as a podcast i apologize for the bit in the middle where we all waved at a child that wandered on screen because if you were just listening to that you will have no idea what happened uh, but you know please rate and subscribe and like and leave us a comment we will put some links in the comments um, so please do contact those but as always if you got questions you can contact us as well that's it thank you very much we will be back next week but again no idea what we're talking about so find out when we get there Bye.